everyone. I'm Arlene Dickinson. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. I have been a longtime partner of TELUS because I value the support they provide to both local businesses and entrepreneurs. Recently, TELUS launched Stand With Owners. It's an initiative that's targeted to support Canadian small businesses during COVID-19 because now more than ever, we could all use a bit of help. And that's why TELUS and I have partnered to provide all of my listeners with an exclusive limited time offer. Right now, if you bring your business to TELUS, you can receive 20% off a mobility plan for business and you also get the first three months free. That's right, free. Visit telus.com slash reinvention to redeem this offer. Hi everyone. On this week's episode of Reinvention, I speak with Tegan Gerard. Now, Tegan is the author of Half-Baked Harvest Cookbooks, a set of cookbooks that you absolutely have to get your hands on and use. I don't know about you, but during this pandemic, I have had to reestablish my relationship with food, how I think about it, how I prepare it, how I share it with a small group of family and friends that we all get to now hang out with a little bit more, and how it makes me feel, and in fact reinvents the purpose I feel my body has. So, you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't think of a better topic for us to talk about right now than one that is on everybody's mind all day, in and day out, and that is the food we consume. Tune in and listen to Tegan. She's a culinary superstar who took no culinary training. So Tegan, um, I have to tell you, I'm like, I don't get starstruck very often because I know what it's like to be in the public eye, but I am so excited to talk to you today about reinvention and to talk to you a little bit about your life and all the things that you've been doing. I mean, I've been reading up on you since uh, I first, uh, you first accepted the uh, coming on the, the show. And I am so impressed by what you've done at, by the age that you are and the things that you've accomplished. And having cooked for four young kids in my life when I was growing up, I have a little bit of empathy and understanding for what you're going through cooking for your family who lives next door, but also for the world now. So love to hear a little bit about your story and about how Half-Baked Harvest came to be. And, and maybe just let's start there. I mean, um, you know, you're just such an amazing, amazing human uh, in general. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about all of those things later on. But why don't we tell us a little bit about what got you here? Well, first of all, um, thank you so much. I, I'm not sure I'm an amazing human, but um, that was such a sweet intro. Thank you. Um, so glad to impress. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my really happy harvest was just such an, um, just a natural evolution kind of for me. You know, I, as, as you, I guess, read, I grew up cooking for my family and one of seven kids. So, um, you know, the, the household of nine, essentially. Um, and I started cooking when I was like, I, 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 I change the age every time I get on an interview, I swear. But in middle school, um, between the ages of like 13 and 14. And, yeah. um, you know, I really only started cooking just as a sole service to help my dad. So the way that like my parents did things was my mom was never much of a cook. We would always have like dessert on the table before dinner. She loved to bake, um, but not cook. So it was really funny. We'd always like know it was for dessert or have cookies on the table or whatever, but like we were like no dinner yet, right? So 
they kind of deal with like, I don't even know how they did this, but you know, they, everybody has their own way of working things out. But my dad made dinner essentially most nights of the week, but he also worked nine to five. And then, um, you know, went to the gym after work. So he wouldn't be getting home till seven thirty eight, and dinner was just like, then dinner was at like nine. And, and eventually I was just kind of like, this is just chaos. And I'm just going to start helping cook. And, from really the second I did that, um, you know, I, I kind of never stopped and I loved it. And I think I really fed off of the reactions of my family. I really got, uh, you know, I really enjoyed being able to, I guess I'm a people pleaser in a little bit of a way because I really enjoyed being able to please my family so easily through food. And I had fun. It was a creative outlet for me. I had fun experimenting in the kitchen and, um, it was just like a nice thing to do kind of like, you know, after school. Um, and I just, I never, I never stopped. So as I went through middle school and high school, I continued to cook and just kind of like didn't really think much of it, you know, cooking for my family. And then I always said I wanted to go to school for uh, fashion design. I, I really have always loved to like make things look very pretty. So I always said I wanted to be a stylist. Um, and style clothing and so I did that like I also did was also doing that I'm just someone who really likes to use their hands so visual um please don't make me read anything just just any visual <laughs> visuals everyone except a, except, so, a recipe, except a recipe <laughs> yeah I mean well even that like I can't follow a recipe <laughs> don't, don't ask me to follow a recipe either that's horrible I never make the same thing twice that's why like testing recipes for me is like making it over and over and doing it the exact same way. I mean, obviously I have to do it and I've gotten used to it, but um, in the beginning it was, a, it was, it was, a, it was interesting. It was an interesting new <laughs> task, but, um, but yeah, so I always said I was going to go to school for styling. I wanted to kind of go into the fashion space, um, really love working with clothes and just really making things pretty, whether it was clothes though, or even interior design, I was always redecorating my room. Um, just very visual, very creative, just always using my hands. So I graduated early from high school. I was never a school person. Graduated early from high school with an associate's degree when I was about uh, 18. So I already had two years of college done, got accepted to a school out in L.A. called the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. Moved to L.A. for three months. Did three months in L.A. and said, no way, I can't do L.A. It's not for me. <laughs> Uh, I'm such a small town girl, like, want to be close to my family. No, can't do LA. So, did like a 360, moved back home, and it was really my mom who encouraged me, at, you know, to start Halfway Carver. She said, why don't you, like, and at that point, blogs were sort of becoming a thing. They were very new still, but they were definitely sort of becoming a thing. And she's like, why don't you, like, start a cooking blog and um, it had been something that we had, like, joked about, you know, for probably three or four years prior, but never, I never, like, ever thought about really doing it too much, um, and certainly not as a career. So, I, I was like, well, what the heck do I have to lose at this point? And, because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So, um, I started Happy Harvest, and I literally never looked back and have been working on it almost 24-7 every single day then. Well, it's, it's, it's an amazing story. I mean, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about as you go through that journey. Like, I, first of all, you, you have six siblings. Where do you sit in the order of things? I'm smack in the middle. <laughs> you're, 
right in the middle. So I, have three, <laughs> I, have, I have three brothers right ahead of me, and then um, two brothers below me, and then a little sister. Uh, she was kind of like that last child that came a few years after my younger brother, Red. So I can't, I think they're like 10 years apart, I want to say. So this is Asher, who's on, who's a regular visitor in your kitchen and is a guest on a lot of your IG stories, right? Asher's more, Asher's more popular than I am. People <laughs> love her. So, and her style. That girl has some serious style and a lot of sass. She's the cutest, though. Yeah, she's great. Yes, and she's a frequent. She makes lots. She loves to be in front of the camera, so she makes lots of appearances on Instagram. And she loves chocolate. Oh, yeah. She loves chocolate. Just like any kid, I feel like. You see your kid and you don't love chocolate. I'm not really sure. So you're a kid. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But you're, so you're a middle child. I mean, all these things you hear about middle children, right? I, I mean, and, and you're in a big family. I mean, I, I so, and you decide, like you say, you want to go become a fashion designer and you go to, I, I mean, that, and I love the notion that you bring it all back to working with your hands in general and, and creating things with your hands. But I, I, you were 18 when you went to LA. Is that right? 18? Uh, oh, sorry. Just, just don't burn yourself. <laughs> oh, no, I'm good. I, I'm just a cut. And yeah. So I was, um, yes, I was 18 when I went out to LA. So it was, 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 you know, lots of people do it, but I I thought I was definitely a little bit young maybe to be in LA in my, in a big city on my own. And I also got a full-time job at that same time working at, um, Barbizon acting, modeling and talent. I worked at, worked the phones. I was not trying to be a model. I worked the phones recruiting people. So that was very interesting. Well, okay. So three months. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking in the headspace of an 18 year old, girl who's gone to LA because most most you know most people who go to LA they're they're wanting to live this big huge dream of Hollywood right you go to be in fashion design and you take this job recruiting people into a modeling agency and then three months in I mean you, you, you've announced this to your friends to your family I'm going to LA this is a big move and then three months later you decide no like tell me what went through your head like you had that you had the courage to say three months later this is not for me I'm going home well, you know what it was? I'm a, I'm like a very, um, what is the word? I am blanking on the word, but I, I, I try to look at things in a realistic light. And I was very nervous. I was nervous about being in LA and I was very nervous about starting school because it's, it's, I was a very, uh, it's called FITM. It's like fashion studio design, which is a very expensive school. And I was like, once, once you start, you're indebted. And I was just like, I just don't know if this is a right fit. You know, I'm really glad I went three months early because I was able to have that time in LA. Um, and I, it's funny, I love LA now. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I realized ahead of starting that it was better to realize it then versus starting and having to have paid that tuition and, you know, eat all that money. And I still had to eat some of the money because there were certain fees involved. But I was really hesitant after spending three months in the city and kind of just feeling homesick and like, this doesn't feel like a great fit. I'm just not sure about this. So it was hard for sure. And I definitely felt really kind of lost when I came home. And I was like, what do I do? Because I am the type of person that cannot sit still needs to have like a, you know, needs to be working needs to kind of just be feeling like, a productive human in the world. 
Um, so it was, it was hard, but once I, you know, the crazy thing too, I mean, it was a complete 360, I always say, because, or 180, I don't, I don't even know the turn is, whatever. It was just a complete turnaround. Um, and, but once I started Half-Baked Harvest, you know, I really put all my focus and energy into that. And, um, I, yeah, I never really looked back at that point. But so it was it was a weird it was a weird you know transition and I felt not the greatest but that's kind of when I'm able you know I think a lot of times too in reinventing yourself like you take your failures you learn so much more from your failures than you do your successes so you t- and I don't I mean it's not I don't really see failures as failures I, I see them as just kind of like stepping stones to just get to be better essentially um, because every time that I've kind of had a setback, I've been able to take that setback and I, you know, really have used it as motivation to kind of move forward. And that's kind of like the person I am. I just, um, you know, I can't ever be complacent. I can't ever, I just like to like always be moving forward. So when there's something that kind of went wrong, I just say I figure it out and um, do something else, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I find that really fascinating because I, I know like I, I've had, I built my career. I, I had no formal education in my business. Um, I have no formal education past my grade 12 um, high school. And I, you know, I, I always, you talk to a lot of people who say, well, if you don't have formal education, you find yourself kind of being forced into careers that you probably don't necessarily want because you haven't trained yourself, but you have no formal education in culinary arts yet. You're wildly popular in the, in the food world. So do you think that having no formal education, did it hold you back in any way? I mean, what would you say to, you know, our listeners who have found themselves in the middle of a career change, forced or voluntary, when it comes to having formal education? What, what's your advice on that? Do you think people have to have it? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of words on education. I mean, obviously, education is great, and it is, it is needed for certain things, and I am not. But for me personally, I... I always had a really hard time in the classroom and not because I got horrible grades. I mean, I did, I did fine in school. Um, but like I said, I'm just, I'm such a visual person. I don't want to be sitting all day. I want to be using my hands. I want to be doing things. Um, so, so like education like that just never really worked for me. Um, and I don't think, no, I absolutely can answer your question. I don't think it is needed. I think that you can, especially in this day and age, there's, so much that you can teach yourself um, without any kind of form of education. And there's so many careers now that you can be doing that don't require education, that what they really require is real life experience. Um, And I think that that is, to me, a real life experience is so much more valuable than sitting in a classroom. I think, you know, again, a doctor, you need to sit in a classroom probably. But for what I'm doing, I don't think that I needed to sit in a classroom. And I think that not going... To culinary school, you know, yes, sometimes I do feel like it is looked down upon on some people because, you know, um, it's, it's just like a thing. But I personally think that it's actually really helped me excel uh, or excel in my space. You know, I don't really know there are certain things that there's food rules, you know, that, you know, someone who went to culinary school might kind of have in their head like, hey, don't put cheese with fish or I don't even know some of the things. And I just don't think about those things because I was never taught the formal way to do the formal way to cook. I cook 
the way that I cook, you know, and what works for me and what I, it tastes good and what I, you know, over time experimented with and found to be really great. So that's how I cook. I really just cook for, you know, taste and visuals and easiness, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I personally think it's kind of helped me excel. I think it's helped uh, keep my recipes very different from everybody else's recipes, even if it's something like a pasta or a, car- a pasta carbonara or whatever it is, you know, there's always something a little bit different that I try to incorporate. And I don't ever let like a way, a certain way of cooking, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't get in the way of like my creativity. So I think that in that way, it's really helped me kind of excel and um, be different from what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I think that is a really important point because a lot of times if you're trained formally in in a certain industry or you've worked so long in a certain industry and learned a certain way of things that you don't, you're not likely as open or as um, readily um, eager to try different things because there are rules that somebody's taught you that you feel that you can't break because somehow they're going against the norm. And, and so the, the notion that you can be more creative, I think in, in particular, that's true in a creative industry where you, your creativity comes from within. And if people are starting to put rules around creativity, you lose the art. You, it becomes more science than art, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, you can definitely see that in my, in, in my space, you know, when people maybe start to look more than numbers and things like that. And I have really always tried to just kind of focus on, um, you know, the creative side of it. And I think that's really helped, uh, helped, helped me grow. <laughs> when you think about your family and your mom and dad and kind of how you got started, I, I, I first saw your mom, I mean, you must be really grateful that your mom's encouragement kind of took you down this road because, I, I don't know that many moms, as you said, blogs were kind of just new back then, that many moms would have said, hey, why don't you try doing this? Because she saw, clearly saw your talent in it, which is, is really lovely, like, for that your mom was so supportive. Yeah, um, my parents are, you know, they have seven kids. So um, I feel like with each kid, they just got a little bit more loosey-goosey. Um, and, but even before that, I mean, they, my parents have been together, my gosh, I think like over 30 years now. I mean, since my mom was like 14. Um, so, you know, they got married when my mom was 19 and so they've been together forever is my point. And, um, you know, they started very young having kids have, you know, created made a family very young and, um, they've just always really, especially my mom, um, she is very much, you know, like, don't, you know, fly by the beat of your own drum, uh, drum or I don't know what the saying is, but whatever. She's just very not traditional. She's not um, for doing things the traditional way. She's really for kind of, you know, like me, figuring it out, doing what you love and figuring out how to, um, you know, incorporate that into your life. And uh, she's always encouraged, you know, um, you know, really, and all of my siblings, you know, my brothers included, um, to really kind of do what we love and never a traditional path. She's never been one where she's never been set on. I think, you know, my, my three older brothers maybe got more of a traditional, um, a more of a traditional upbringing. And then, like I said, as time went on, things just kind of 
you know, so many kids in the house, you just can't, <laughs> you know, there's just, you just, you just kind of lose the rules a little bit. So it just, you know, she grew into herself, I think too, and her parenting style. And she's, she's just very, one of those people that's adventurous and just kind of like really um, all about doing the things that you love. But um, so she never, she ne- they never forced that on, on me. And uh, she saw very early on, you know, that schooling isn't necessarily the path for everyone, even though it's the traditional path. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very grateful to have parents that are so supportive and that were so supportive. Um, they have a hundred percent, you know, helped me to get to the place where I am today. So I'm very grateful for that. But you started off with like, it was really kind of a side project, right? You know, like, and, and wasn't going to be, or when did you decide that that side project was going to be your full-time job? I mean, was there a conscious decision you made to go all in on the cooking or was there an event or instance which made you decide to do that? Or how did you transition from, hey, I'm going to write a blog to this is going to be my full-time career? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I can't really say that there was like a certain moment in time where I was like, this is what I'm doing this is my career, Um, you know, but really within the first six months, I would say we are, yeah, we had started to kind of see traffic build and, um, you know, people really responding well to the uh, website. And so when we saw that, I think it just kind of kept the momentum for me going and wanted me to keep creating uh, and then, you know, we slowly incorporated advertisements onto the website and slowly started seeing an income come in. And, you know, at that point, really within the first year, like I said, I, I literally worked 24-7 on Happy Service and kind of still do today. Not kind of. I kind of still do today. Um, and, you know, so when we started to see kind of income coming through, you know, it just made sense to keep going with it like it's not like it was it it wasn't a waste of time it's not like I was just putting all my energy into something that nobody was responding to or or wasn't you know making and it was great that it was making money too so um within the first year we really kind of and and things were different back then but we once we started to see that income coming through the advertisements I you know probably said to myself like maybe this is something I should stick with. I don't think I ever said that like, hey, this is going to be a career though. It just kind of happened, you know, just slowly fell into place. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm thinking back to, you know, a lot of times I talk to people and they say, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be until I started doing a bunch of other things to find out what I didn't want to be and then landed on something I was passionate about. I mean, I think about you, you got into cooking when you were like 13 or 14, you said, and Rachel Ray, I believe, was one of the sources you got your inspiration from. And now, now you're, and now you're featured on her site and her magazine. I mean, does that make you feel to you like you've made it? Like, do you have you do you ever at any point in your journey was meeting goals that you set out a reason to pause and enjoy? Or are you still like totally driven to chase bigger goals? Like, where in the spectrum are you right now? Um, I am that person that is like, okay, what's next? <laughs> so I've never feel like I've made it. Um, and I don't, it's funny, like you hearing you say that, like, that's, that's great. I'm so excited to be on Rachel Ray and featured there, but like, yeah, that doesn't 
to me, I'm just like, I always have bigger and better goals and always wanting to be um, striving to do new things and create new things and share amazing content with my community and, um, you know, never settle for anything less than incredible kind of thing. So that is me. And I'm just always, always kind of looking forward to, you know, what's next and um, exciting new things. So I, it's like, you know, there's, there's never like an ending point really for me. It's kind of just like always stepping stones of building and growth and just trying to be a better version of, you know, happy harvest, even myself as, you know, and serving the community that we've really built because to me, the community is everything. Um, and my number one goal is creating content that makes them happy and that they are really excited to see every single day. And, and that shows, I mean, you know, uh, like, listen, Rachel Ray's awesome, but I, you have created a different genre of cooking and sharing and, um, I mean, even right down to the fact that, and I and and I would I would you are you are a superstar in your in your own right, very different from her. And I think it's great that she at, at such young age influenced you. But now you've kind of superseded that, and you've created this different kind of view of what cooking can be. I mean, I think about the fact you do your own photography. I think I actually read that somewhere the other day on one of your blogs. I think you had mentioned that you were doing your own photography and video and how often it takes you to how many takes. I think you did a little thing about the different numbers of takes you did to get it right. And and I was thinking, wow, like on top of the cooking, you're also you're also that into the detail that you care that much about how it looks. Cause I think many people would have passed that off and said, okay, I've done cooking. You guys take all the pretty shots of it, but you're so uh, engaged in the experience of, well, the experience of the experience of food that you do every detail, which astounds me. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of like I said, um, for me, uh, I'm such a visual person. So actually creating the food and, and making it look visually appealing to the eye is almost the how it's really how I create recipes. I don't think of recipes, I think in a way that a lot of people do, you know, when I build a recipe, I really build it in my head and I build it um, kind of based on like colors and textures. I mean, and certainly flavors, but you know, I've always, 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 always had in the back of my mind that always that, people eat, we eat with our eyes. And if whatever you are presenting someone doesn't look delicious, um, they're not going to respond to it. Nobody wants to eat a plate of food that doesn't look, you know, that doesn't jump off the screen and say, oh my gosh, that looks incredible. So, you know, it's really been something I've kept in mind uh, all of these years. And I think that creating the photograph and really in even the videos, you know, um, it's really, really important. And it just, I do have fun with it. I like to style. I like to make food look delicious. And um, a lot of times, you know, there are touches that I add to a dish because it needs more color, needs to look more mouthwatering that, you know, really help with the recipe and make it even better. Yeah, I mean, I, I've made several, numerous of your dishes. And I, I want you to know, I, I found you because my daughter, my youngest daughter, 
um, had made, she loves cooking and she had, was making all these fantastic dishes. And I kept saying, where are you getting these recipes from? Like, where are you finding this? She said, oh my God, mom, you have to get Half-Baked Harvest, this, this recipe book. And, and she talked to me about you. And so I ordered both of the rest. Well, I've ordered the, two, the last two recipe books. And I, I have found your recipes to be easy to follow, but I love the photography and the imagery because it does help you feel like when you're putting something on the plate that you're actually um, taking a meal and making it making it a little bit that much more special. And, and I think about, you know, like back to, you know, kind of the moment of your career as you've expanded it and grown into, you know, the, the following you have now. I mean, you kind of are reinventing this whole notion of what food should be as it relates to family. And when you think about that in the pandemic, um, Tegan, and, and I mean, you're, you're probably, you're pretty isolated. You live, I believe you live in a farmhouse, right? Right next to your family or converted horse barn. Um, yeah. So yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just thinking about your family's close to you. You're there. Uh, people are now coming back into their homes because of the pandemic and they're finding a different view of food and their relationship to food. Tell me how you feel about that. I mean, I think you kind of started that long before the pandemic, but the pandemic has heightened this desire to have food be central to our lives in a meaningful way where we're in touch with the food. How how do you feel about that? Um, You know, I think that food is just so like food brings people together. So it's, it's weird, but that's, you know, we've had so much time on our hands. And I think that before the pandemic, you know, people kind of maybe, well, obviously some people love cooking and other people don't, but, um, you know, they didn't necessarily think they enjoyed cooking or that time in the kitchen or realized how easy it could be um, to create, you know, simple dinners, simple meals, or just have fun in the kitchen and be creative. So I'm actually really grateful that this time has kind of forced people to stay home in a way and, you know, make do with what they've got and try to, you know, use their time in a, in a, in a you know, inside their houses. So what else do you do other than, like, clean, rearrange, and cook, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's really cool to see. I think that, you know, food is just, it can be so much fun and it can be such an amazing way to connect with your kids, your parents, your friends, like, and, you know, whoever you're, uh, I don't know, in your house with, I guess. I know it's weird because social distancing and all that right now. But, um, you know, I think that it's, it's a really great – food brings people together, and it can be so much fun, and it can be such a great outlet to come home, you know, back in the normal days, come home after work and just, like, do something with your hands. I think that people forget so much how how – what a great release it can be of stress to just, like – create something, you know, not sit in front of the TV or scroll your phone, which is the worst, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's yeah, it's really the worst. And I think it's been really nice to, I think that people have realized like, hey, this is actually like not that hard. And um, I'm really having fun with this. And it's just, you know, um, I love to, I think they really love to be able to create recipes that maybe even they got out at restaurants or similar to that. Like, hey, I can make this at home. I can maybe even make it a little bit healthier or I can adjust it even, you know, more so to the flavors that I enjoy. Um, so I think that, you know, it's been, it's, 
it's been, I think it's been really nice. I've, I personally really um, liked seeing everyone be in the kitchen more and to create more. It's been really uh, cool. Yeah, I know that when I, by, when I was your, by the time I was your age, I had had four children and we had, we grew up with absolutely no you money. like my mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd like to meet your mom, I think. I, I would like to meet her. I, um, you know, I, we, I, so we grew up, like, we were really poor. We had absolutely nothing. And so I ended up, you know, baking bread every night and, like, overnight buns. And, um, like, that was back in the good housekeeping, you know, recipe days. <laughs> like, it was like, like the books, the recipe books were really basic and, and uh, canned everything and made jams and did all that stuff. And, and back then I, I had to do it because we just didn't have any money. Right. And so food was, you know, I had to put food on the table for the kids. And so, you know, we, we were just too broke to do anything like going to a store to get food regularly. Wasn't, wasn't on the cart. wasn't in the cards. Now, as I'm older, I actually have gone back because of the pandemic, I started canning again and making things. And I've been flipping through your books thinking, what can I do that's different? I actually made your uh, Korean um, chicken. I can't think of the, the, the word of it, the 25 minute Korean chicken that you've posted the other mm-hmm. with the, the corn in it. And it was so, yeah. it was so good. And I, and I'm trying new things and I, and I thought it actually struck me how I've kind of come full circle back to food being central to um, not just uh, survival, but to making, uh, but to comfort. And, and I, and I, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that you're in that world. I think you, but your whole family is really quite talented. You have, so just, sorry, I'm just going to do a little bit of a segue here, but you're, you have a younger brother who's an Olympian, correct? A gold medal winning Olympian. Red, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, Red, he, you know, like I said, my parents are very, uh, I mean, they're not very different, but they're just, they have always encouraged us to really do what we love. And, um, you know, we're like all very athletic in a weird way. And <laughs> okay. my, my, the older, my, my brother weird. just, yeah, well, we just like, and we just all really love to be active and be outside. And like, it's funny, Red and I are actually kind of similar, like, he's so much worse than I am. Like he can't sit still. Like I'm not even joking. He just cannot sit still. Um, and he is so acrobatic and, um, has always just, I mean, my mom, my mom said like my two brothers below me, my brother Malachi and red, like they could both like skate before they could walk and just like all these things. So, you know, they've always been, and I think too, my brothers have such a unique relationship. They grew up, you know, I was the only girl for so long. Um, and so, but everybody's just really, really close. And, and my brothers are all really, really close and they did, they still do everything together. Um, and it's just always been a very encouraging environment. And so, yeah, my younger brother, Red, you know, he's a little, he's a little superstar in his own light. <laughs> and he is incredible at what he does. He snowboards and, um, yeah, he, he went to the Olympics the, in, uh, Korea and, he took, yeah, he, he took the gold medal home. <laughs> and he was also the youngest Winter Olympian to win a gold since 1928, right? Like, like he's like, he's... He, he, yeah, he came in as the underdog, which he loves to do. Um, he's very good at that. And he came in as the underdog and kind of blew everyone away. And uh, I think he was 18. Yeah, that's like insane. And then I was reading that the day of his performance, he woke up late and... <laughs> Like, it's just actually a typical 18-year-old boy thing to do. Um, 
<laughs> so it sounds like he's sounds oh like- I, that story yeah uh, that story is like super exaggerated i do think oh, is it wake up maybe yeah it is but um i do think he did wake up late but yeah i mean he's a typical he's gosh he's 20 now which is so crazy <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe he's 20 um but yeah he was a typical teenager he i think the cool thing about him and i think that i kind of have this same thing in my head too like we never let any of that like big stuff get to us. He was always just kind of like, okay, but I'm here to do what I love and what I love is snowboarding. So that's what I'm going to go out there and do. Um, so, it, you know, and he, it's, it's kind of, you know, that's, yeah, he's just never looked at like the competition side of it all and really stayed true to, you know, the belief that like, this is what I love and that's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for any other reason. Which I love. I mean, I know that you, I know because I see Asher on your videos, but do you cook for your brothers still all the time? Like, do you still make meals for them? And are they your worst critics or your, your best, your best uh, input to your recipes and to what you're developing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They'll tell you anything. So, um, and definitely so is that, yeah, they'll tell you anything. And um, I, yeah, we're very close, all of us, and everybody's kind of all over the place you know, between California, Colorado, even Ohio. So, and then everybody's normally traveling quite a bit. So we're just all over the place, but we do gather a lot and um, see each other a lot. I'm always cooking for everyone and, you know, they have their favorites and I'm always trying to get them. There's, there's some picky eaters. So I'm always trying to get them to try new things, but yeah, definitely. Who cooks for you? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like such a control. I'm like such a control freak that I'm just like, yeah, no, okay, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> Thanks, but, no. but you know, yes. I mean, the, I'll, I will say that I love my dad's recipes. He's just always been a very good cook, um, but just very, very simple. But there's things that you know he would make when I was younger that I still love to this day. Um, but I mean, the boys, they don't cook. <laughs> they don't cook. That's <laughs> not what. They yeah. Do. That's that's no. that, that's okay. I guess if I had a sister like you, I would probably wouldn't cook either. I'd be <laughs> kind of keen, but yeah, sorry. it's kind of just like expected that I'm you get tired it's of totally it. Totally fine. It's it's good. surprisingly um, so, no. I mean, it's just like I still really really enjoy cooking. You know, I still and honestly, cooking not for the blog is even you know not for cookbooks and not for like work is still really fun because that's kind of a time when I don't really have to be, you know, what am I putting in this? How much was in this? Is this going to, how can I make this easier? I'm just kind of cooking, you know? Um, so it's, it's still really fun for me. If you have to think about the, the future of, I, I guess, you know, the last few years of, of what's going on in the world and, and as people are gathering around in their kitchens more and doing things, how do you think we're going to reinvent the family the family meal time? Like, what would you like to see happen as it relates to people thinking differently about how they interact over meals? I mean, I think that it's, I really hope that, you know, I've kind of was funny, like, I really always love the idea of that, like, family dinner you know everyone that like picture perfect like I feel like it's little house on the prairie family dinner that uh nobody has these days um I would love to see that happen more I think that like food has in the past been something so much that you know people are like literally just okay how can I get like five minutes to shove a granola bar down my throat kind of thing because we are so busy it's hard you know 
Um, so I really, really hope that this helps people. And I've already, you've already seen the change, you know, but I hope it sticks. And I think it will see people um, sitting down for more meals and sitting down and, you know, uh, interacting, cooking with people more and just kind of like enjoying the process of creating a meal for loved ones or friends and, um, you know, kind of taking a step back and away from this world and away from your phone. I just, the whole phone thing, if you can get away from your phone, feel like you're so golden. Um, so really kind of taking the time to create more, more home cooked meals. And that doesn't mean that you need to have five hours, you know, every single day to create a dinner. You can definitely get dinner on the table in 30 minutes. Um, and I think that, you know, that's kind of why I'm here. I can really help people to understand that and realize that, hey, like if I have a great pantry stocked or just a few simple ingredients, I can still make dinner or I can still make an easy lunch and, you know, not do like Uber Eats or something. <laughs> as long as you have burrata cheese in your fridge, right? Right. Yeah. Keep a little burrata <laughs> and you're, you could just, all you got to, that's all you need really. That's like that and that and some. Did you say basil or basil? I, I everyone says it differently. I say basil, but I, I, I everyone says it. Differently. Uh, I say basil, and yeah, that is my favorite. I love basil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I know. I, I know. I watch these things. I, I always watch how you decorate it all. I think, oh, and I love burrata too. Burrata is one of my favorite. The the peaches that are out right now. I mean, see, that's what I think I love about food, and I and I love about talking to you. I mean. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I. I just think what you've accomplished. I started off saying how impressed I am by you, Tegan, and I really am. You. You're just a. You're a lovely human. Who you are on the, on your Instagram and on your feeds and in your blogs is exactly who you are in this conversation. You're honest and you're direct and you're, you're thoughtful and you're funny and you're uh, smart. And I. And I. And I think you are, probably just a just beginning to realize the potential that you have untapped inside of you. I, I can't imagine what you're going to do in the next uh, 27 years of your life. I, it's pretty damn amazing. Um, and, and I look forward to watching you and, and kind of just being along for the journey and, 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 and sharing with you um, through your recipes, your love and passion for food. Is, is, is there anything you want to say to everybody about kind of the notion of reinventing yourself and, and being more brave around making mistakes and, and getting through? Is there anything you'd like to share just as we close up here? Well, thank you for that. You're very, very kind uh, outro there, whatever you want to call it. That was very sweet of you. I have to say that I think that really my parents have a lot to do with that. Um, you know, they've always taught us to, you know, be who we are and, be kind. I think that that's like the golden rule in life, like just treat others the way that you would like to be treated. So um, thank you. But, you know, I think that I wish that people wouldn't be so afraid to fail, even with cooking that, you know, I get so much like so many questions about, you know, being afraid to try something new because they don't want it to turn out bad. But it's like, it's okay if it doesn't come out perfect or if you burn something. I mean, I burn things every single day. Like, it's, it's okay, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. And um, I just think that I, I hope that people can open up their minds a little bit and, or, you know, just open up the way that they're thinking. Failure for me, and I think that this is the case for so many people. I mean, I hear people say this all the time. Failures help you grow. They make you, they help you to learn what you like, what you don't like, what you can do better. Um, and, you know, really just taking your failures and I hate to call them failures because it's just like it's just it's just a stepping you know part of your life it's just one 
one day or one, you know, maybe bad, slightly bad move. I don't know, you know, and it doesn't need to be the end of the world. I really hope that people can, you know, my big, my biggest advice is to take that, you know, failure and use it as fuel. I'm such a, like, I guess I'm a little bit competitive in a way. So I'm very, you know, like, if if you get a setback, like, take it, take use that as fuel and figure figure something else out. You know, I'm all about, like, my number one, like, my motto is, like, just, just figure it out. Like, okay, well, if we want to get something done, like, how can, we, how can we get it done? Just figure it out. So, um, you know, get a little creative. And if you want something bad enough, I really think that you can figure it out. And so use those failures. And reinventing yourself is, like, so much fun. If you have the uh, or the you know, chance to do that, I think you need to just jump in and, and do it and, and not look back. So, and I think that too, like even with something my brother said to me when I, when we were kids, like he was trying to teach me how to do a backflip on, on the trampoline. And this is my older brother and he also snowboards and he's a very also like, you know, could be a gymnast. Um, he was trying to teach me how to do a backflip and he's like, you just can't think about it. You just have to do it. So Anytime that you overthink anything, and I'm such an overthinker, so, but anytime that I really just, I'm just, I just try to keep telling myself, you got to just do it. Like, if that was your first instinct, just, just go with it. So, um, you know, just jump in and do it and don't, don't, don't hesitate either. Once you make the decision, you got to do it because when you hesitate, this is like relating back to sports, when you hesitate, you are definitely going to come out of whatever you're doing, you know, not, not landing on your feet. So I think it's funny um, you know, relating back to my brothers, like I, they, you know, are always landing on their feet. That's like the goal, right? So if you hesitate, you're not going to land on your feet. But if you, uh, if you just go in all, um, you know, to you go in all the way, you're going to land on your feet. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, and I think you're wise beyond your years because I, I, it took me a long time to have that type of confidence to just say, you know what, it's okay if I try something and it doesn't work. It, like the, the, the love of life is in the trying, um, not in the always succeeding, but it's in the, it's in the effort you make to, to get to the next stage of a succession. Like how do you succeed? Well, you just keep trying, 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 and, and, you, and you learn with each try. And I, I don't know, it, it took me a long time to understand what you know um, at, a, at, a, at a much younger age than I was when I figured that out. And I, I do think that is part of reinvention. We get so hung up on thinking that reinvention is wholesale. It means like stripping away everything and doing something completely different. But reinvention can be incremental things like just being kinder, as you said, like just try getting up tomorrow and being a little kinder to somebody and reinvent kind of the way you think about the world, <laughs> like one step at a time, right? Yeah, I, I mean, my mom would her she would say this she says this every single day but um you know just just be something nice for someone every day and you'll feel you'll be a happier person so um i think that yeah that that's a hard thing especially with the pandemic i think that people can maybe lose sight of that a little bit because it is a really hard time and there's so much uncertainty but um I think you'd be surprised if you just kind of change your mindset a little bit and just say, hey, I'm going to be put a smile on and, um, you know, maybe I'll buy someone a cup of coffee or whatever. Yeah. Well, Tegan, I, I've really enjoyed the time we spent together. I could have talked to you for a lot longer and I really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, I know you inspire each and every day and who are going to listen to this and hopefully learn that uh, the, the, the joy of life is in the trying. And, uh, oh, thank you so much. 
So thank you, and and I and I, I guess I'll see you on on Instagram and and. Uh, and I'm your very blog. active on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you are. You you make you make my Instagram feed uh, that much better. So we'll uh, we'll see you there, and I'm glad we'll, we'll talk again soon. But thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for having me. It was great talking with you. Okay, thanks, Tegan. Bye for now. Mm-hmm. Bye. Listening to Tegan, I was really struck by how at a very young age, she pivoted her direction. And she did it because she knew what she was doing wasn't right for her. And sometimes isn't that the hardest thing of all you guys, to be able to admit to ourselves that we're down the path that is not leading to our happiness? I mean, she went to LA for a very short period of time to pursue a different career than she has now and realized it wasn't for her and came back home. At the end of the day, probably in that moment, it would have felt hard, but look, look where it led her. She got home, she didn't know what she was gonna do instead. She wasn't on the path to something different. She was just on a path away from what she had chosen. And then when she got home, her mom said to her to follow her passion and to start writing blogs about food because that would keep her interested and engaged in something she loved. And you know, that's interesting to me as well. Because Tegan started off liking food and getting into food preparation out of practicality. She wanted to help her dad. She wanted to get food on the table before 10 o'clock. She wanted to help feed the family, you know, a family that was quite big. And so there she was, you know, helping out in the kitchen at a very young age. And that practical need turned into a passion. And that passion turned into her purpose. And her purpose has actually now helped many other people and many other countries to also find purpose and passion in food and food preparation for their families. I love how that has continued on and how by following her North Star and finding her purpose, Tegan has actually helped us all be better at ours. Tegan, thanks so much for sharing your life with us, for your honesty, for your openness, for your integrity. Love your recipes. Please everybody, buy her books. They're fabulous as is she. Stay safe and stay human. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is made possible by the great folks at Venture Communications. Thanks to our engineers, writers, producers, and all the folks who work really hard to bring you these great stories of reinventions each and every week.